0: Welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this latest edition of the Freary and Smith podcast. It's Wednesday and we're moving quickly through the month of August. Sunbelt football, it's not far away. We'll get to today's episode in just a moment. But before we do, we wanted to remind you to go listen to our last episode, the fourth in our season preview series, where we spoke with South Alabama head coach Kane Womack about the upcoming season for the South Alabama Jaguars. If you haven't already, you'll want to make time to give it a listen. Today on episode 99 of the show, we're excited to continue our season preview series. This time talking the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Head coach Will Hall is going to join us shortly. The Golden Eagles, Caden, they will enter the 2023 season. Coming off of a 7-6 and six season that included a bowl victory over Rice, their first bowl win since 2016. Caden Southern misses without a doubt. One of the true dark horse candidates in the league this fall. They're bringing back 15 starters, including a lot of talent at the skills position. Despite all of that though, Caden, it feels like the success or failure of this season all relies on their ability to find the right fit at quarterback.
1: It definitely does. I mean, when you look at this roster on paper and across the sun, but I think especially on defense, especially at those skill positions, like you're mentioned, it can go toe to toe with just about every team. The biggest question mark, from this whole offseason, from all of last year and three years prior with this team, is can they get it done at the quarterback position? Coach is very excited about some of the quarterbacks he has in his room, as we're going to discuss with him. But I think that's obviously the hugest X factor, given the rest of this roster. And I think when you really look across the entire conference, if you look at teams' capabilities, their ceiling and floor, this team's ceiling is definitely the biggest determining factor. uh, the, The determining factor of that ceiling, rather, is at this quarterback position.
0: Yeah, it will be fascinating to see if they can solidify that. I think it goes a long ways to Southern Miss perhaps being a contender in that West division. Well, as promised, we're talking Southern Miss on this episode. The man, Will Hall, is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to talk with Coach Hall. On the Brian Smith podcast for the first time, Will. You're fresh off the practice field. How was your summer? Oh, it was
2: a great summer. You know, uh, our, our players got back around May the 30th. Uh, you know, we worked them out all the way through, gave them off July 4th, and then came back after that week and, and worked out through July. and Gave them a week off before we reported on August 1st. Had a great summer with them and our family. Going into year three, it's been. A lot better because, you know, our players know what the expectation level is and how to work. And you feel like you can kind of turn it over to them a little more. So uh, it was a good summer.
1: Appreciate having you on the co- on the show, Coach. Um, obviously fresh off the practice field, but let's look at last season a little bit. Y'all handled business. Y'all beat every West Division opponent you faced that finished below you in the standings, but this team had several close conference losses as well as the Liberty loss. You have South Alabama, Coastal, that were just right there in your grasp. What do you think the difference is going to be this season as far as getting those wins, and is that a point of emphasis and maybe finishing and closing out those games throughout the offseason heading into this year?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, it was a great step for us to be able to play 12, 13 games where we were in every game except for one. You know, all of our losses was a one-score game with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter or less. So that was a great step in the right direction. The next step for us is is improved depth, another recruiting class, more talent, and just playing and executing better where we can turn some of those close games into victories. You know, the next step for us is to be in the mix in the West, going down the stretch to, to try to win the West, which is very competitive, we know. You know, I mean, uh, it's as hard a division as there is in college football. You know, Louisiana's had such a great run over the last few years, and then, you know, uh, South Alabama and Troy, you know, last year were so good. Troy's been really good in the recent past as well. Along with our history and tradition too, you know, so uh, and then you got Arkansas State, Texas State, Monroe have had great years in their past, so uh taking that next step for us is getting in the mix, and hopefully we're we're able to do that this year,
0: yeah, coach. to your point, we've talked to several of your colleagues, Michael Desermo over at Louisiana. I think of Kane Walmack at South Alabama. they've talked about it's not easy to win football games uh in the Sun Belt West these days. You're bringing back one of your more experienced teams in the league this fall. You've got 15 total starters returning on both sides of the ball. Has that experience on your roster allowed you to maybe approach the offseason and now even fall camp a little bit differently this year? Yeah, completely
2: different. You know, we've got 15, but then we've also got four starters that were out for the year with injuries with Hayes, Maples, Swayze, Bozeman, Josh Carr, and Brandon Hayes that are all back, that are really good football players. We added two older transfer quarterbacks that are high-level competitors and really good football players. So we just feel like the depth and overall well-being of our football team is on, is on much more solid ground than it, than it was at any point. And uh, we know it's a tremendously tough schedule. That's been well-documented. You know, some people write rated it at the hardest group of five schedule in America. But we also like our roster and how we're going to be able to roll it out there and compete with that schedule. Now, look, we're going to have to play really good every week but but we do have the pieces to do that now
1: coach we know like all coaches your focus is all on week 1 that's where all the attention is at but given that major win over Tulane last season and your re- recent history with the program as their offensive corner that rematch that rematch in week 3 is one that a lot of people have circled how big of an opportunity is that for this team to host that squad this time in front of the rock in front of a home crowd
2: yeah it's huge it's a big rivalry game you know we play for the bail we play for a trophy Uh, That that game matters to our fans. That game matters to Tulane. So uh, that was big for us to get the bell back next year. Uh, I've got great respect for Willie Fritz and how he runs his program. Uh, He's one of the true, real men and great leaders in this profession. Uh, Obviously, you know, me and Michael Pratt are really close uh, with his family, and he is with my family, and that will always be a close relationship. Slade Nagel, their offensive coordinator, is one of my true dear friends in the profession. Uh, So I've got great respect for their program, but it's an intense rivalry that matters to both fan bases, and it'll be a lot of fun at the
0: Rock. Yeah, certainly looking forward to that game. It will be one of the premier uh, group of five football games early on this fall. Coach, when we've looked at your roster, your offensive personnel, a phrase, you know, a quarterback away comes to mind. Uh, I look at the weapons on the outside. I look at the backfield led by Frank Gore, four guys back on that offensive line. Would you agree that your team is a quarterback away right now, and what have you seen from guys like Holman Edwards and Billy Wiles who are battling for that quarterback spot this fall? Yeah, you
2: know, I, I think that has been well documented, our, our woes at quarterback. There's a lot of reasons for that. You know, quarterback's the most unique position in sports from the standpoint of the overall success of the team relies on the quarterback, but the overall success of the quarterback relies on the team. I think we are more talented at quarterback than we've ever been, but we're also more talented on the offensive line than we've ever been. And we've got more depth at all the skill positions around it. So I think there's a lot of reasons why we're going to see improved play there. I am excited about the talent that's in that room, though, and I'm also excited about how when we took over this program, we had seven scholarship O-linemen on it. Now we have 17, you know, and they've been recruited and developed. And so we've got competition there and, and bona fide
0: players up front. To allow them to be
2: good players as
0: well. Coach, is there a leader in the clubhouse right now at that quarterback position, or is it still wide open here a week into camp? Uh,
2: well, there's two. You know, I'm gonna say their name in alphabetical order: Holman Edwards and <laughs> Billy Wiles. Uh, they're they're the two. You know, they had great springs. They've had great summers. Through six days of practice, they've really both done some good things. And it's not tied because we're waiting on one of them to step up. It's tied because they're both playing really well, which is a positive. And in the years, a young man named Ethan Crawford, a true freshman out of Hillcrest, Alabama, that's really coming on and showing he's got a chance to be a dynamic player as well if he keeps progressing.
1: Coach, we know you've been asked a million questions about Frank Gore Jr. during your Southern Miss tenure. So we'll try to ask one a little bit differently here for you. But you've been around the collegiate football world for a very long time, dating back to 2004 at Presbyterian. What is Where does Frank Gore Jr. rank amongst the gifted playmakers that you've coached? And maybe more specifically, what separates him from other players that you've coached to that position?
2: Well, he's up there. You know, I've had some good ones. Uh, You know, we've had Seth Roberts that played in the NFL. We had Matt Willis and Javé Swindle. Javé Swindle broke the Gulf South Conference record for rushing yards per carry. And the thing that sets Frank apart, though, better probably than any player I've ever coached is football IQ. Uh, He's like a coach's son from the way he was raised. He really understands the whole picture. Uh, From the offensive blocking schemes to the checks to the defensive alignments to where gaps are supposed to be fit from and how fast they're supposed to be fit. Uh, He's like a coach on the field at the running back position. And then he has a dynamic ability to always make the first person miss and uh, just an unbelievable impactor of people. Uh, He he lights up a room when he comes in it with his smile. And uh, I, I love the guy. I really do.
0: Coach, you and I know, uh, you know, when you have a name like Gore attached to, you know, the back end of your name, there's a lot of expectations that come with it. What's impressed you with his ability to kind of manage those expectations and make his own name for himself?
2: You know, I think one thing that's helped him is he's, he got overlooked a little bit because of his size, you know, coming out of high school, even though he was Frank Gore Jr. And he did put up great high school numbers. People thought he was too short. And, uh. So he, he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder to prove people wrong. And I think, I think that's an underlying motivation for him. It's not really underlying. He'll admit it to you. I mean, he carries that chip on his shoulder for everybody to see. So I think that's been something that's motivated him his whole life is that, hey, I'm not a small guy that can play. I can just play.
0: Well, we're certainly hoping to see another Gore uh, in the NFL in the not-too-distant future. Coach, another guy in the NFL right now, your former wideout, Jason Brownlee. He's been making a lot of noise at Jets camp. We've seen him with some great highlight clips cooking some of those defensive backs. What's it been like for you to see his performance at that next level? And then in the second part of this question, who are some guys on this roster that you feel like can step up and fill the void that Jason Brownlee left at Southern Miss?
2: Yeah, well, I can't, I can't say enough about Jason. He's from West Point, Mississippi. He's a true blue tough guy. He started in special teams for us, and that's what's helping him with his NFL run right now, too. Just was a great player for us over the two years here. He really took to Desmond Lindsay's coaching. and I think he would tell you that Desmond was an integral part in his development with the way he coached him on the field and off the field. Desmond's been an unbelievable developer of wide receivers his whole career, and uh, Brownlee just made huge jumps while he was here, and I'm just so proud of his competitive nature and his work ethic. He understands that there's no such thing as no change, man. You've got to work every day, and you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And we knew if he could land in the right environment, he was going to have a chance because he plays. When when, when the Cohen gets tough, man, Brownlee gets going. He never shies away from competition. He understands that competition isn't always about the result. It's about the journey. And uh, I, I love the dude, man. He is West Point and Southern Miss tough all the way.
0: Now how about some guys on this roster that maybe could replace him? Who are some of those receivers that you and the staff are excited to see step up this year?
2: Well, you know, we think we're going to complete more passes than we have in the past for all those reasons we talked about earlier. And, you know, number one, Jakarius Caston, Brandon Hayes being back, Ty Mims and Frog Jones were all highly recruited young men that we haven't gotten the ball to enough because of our issues throwing and catching. And I think Cole Cavallo and Chandler Pittman are two hybrid players. Chandler at Superback. Cole at tight end that you're going to see us get the ball to more uh, in space as we read through our progressions and all those things.
1: There's no doubt that the weapons are definitely set on the offensive side of the ball. But switching to the defensive side of the ball, Coach, I really love the hire from within of Dan O'Brien as this team's defensive coordinator. I just felt like with the culture and the scheme that was already put in place working so well, it made a ton of sense. What is he brought to the table, though, that might be different from what Austin Armstrong did during his time at Hattiesburg?
2: Yeah, well, you know, first first and foremost, our players were so excited when we promoted Dan. They love him. Our secondary kids love him. Our players love him. And, uh, you know, the first thing kids want to know is, does my coach know what he's talking about? You know, can my coach, when he's coaching me, is it right? And, man, nobody that's ever met Dan O'Brien will ever tell you that he doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, he's a football junkie, coaches kid. Has been around some of the best DB coaches in the history of this game. And he was in the room with Belichick, with Saban, with Kirby Smart, you know, all those guys, and was their right hand man as the secondary analyst. So Dan's been around some of the best of the best. He was integral in what we put into place. Uh, you know, we love Austin Armstrong too, and he's like a little brother to me, and we wish him well and appreciate what he did. They're different. Dan's a little more cerebral and a little more stoic. Austin's a little more fiery. But, you know, you give and you take with that. We've got some other guys on our staff that have stepped it up with the fieriness from Chad Williams to Dwight Wilson's fiery as he can be and and Mark Kreiner and B. Lace and those guys. So uh I like what we do defensively. We'll have some subtle changes, but Dan certainly is capable, and uh, he's a legitimate good person that our kids have great respect for.
0: Yeah, definitely excited that uh, he is still in this program. Coach, we've spent a lot of time this offseason talking about how huge it's going to be for this team uh, to get Hayes Maples back in the center of that defense. He was very productive in Conference USA, but missed last year with injury. What are your expectations for him? Is he fully healthy? And do you think he can really secure that middle linebacker spot for your team this fall?
2: Yes, he is fully healthy, and so is Swayze Bozeman. And I'm going to parlay that into both of them. I'm, I'm just fired up to have both of them back. They're both such great leaders. They're good players. They're highly intelligent. And uh, we just got so much more depth at linebacker than we had last year. TQ Newsom's back. We bring in Jalen Sims, who was one of the most highly recruited junior college linebackers in America. Kobe Cage started four games for Arizona last year. And then Jacob Johnson is a freshman signee that's doing well in fall camp. So we got a lot of competition in depth, but having Swayze and Hayes back from a leadership and defensive knowledge standpoint and play recognition has been huge for the overall, you know, development of our defense.
1: Coach, you mentioned you bring all those linebackers back. You bring a lot of those defensive linemen that were super impactful last year back. You have Jay Stanley in the back end; that's one of the best safeties in the conference back. Do you think this unit can be even better this year? What do you think the ceiling is in your opinion of this entire defense? Yes,
2: yeah, so our whole D lines back. We thought they were one of the better group of five D lines, you know, in the country last year. We play a lot of people, so some of their stats weren't as good as others because we don't, you know, they they, they roll in and out. But they're all back. We added some highly recruited kids to them. Uh, Jaleel Clemens and Josh Carr, excuse me, are back at outside backer. So uh, we think we're going to be able to hopefully uh, keep the ball in front of us a little more. You know, we were great at creating havoc plays defensively last year, but when you do that, you also give up some big plays. We're hoping we can create a little more havoc plays just playing base this year and keeping in front of us and uh, and limit our big plays. Jay Stanley's huge to have back in the secondary at safety, and then adding Dylan Lawrence with him back there, along with the development of Jay Jones, uh, we think gives us a chance to be really formidable at safety.
0: Definitely excited to watch that nasty bunch defense uh, come the beginning of September. Coach, we're going to end with this. We've joked with you several times about the wardrobe choices on Saturday. I've heard the story for why, but what I want to know is what goes into choosing that tie on a Saturday, and are there some new ties that maybe are going to make an appearance this fall?
2: I do have some new ties this fall. What goes into it is black, gold, and gray, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then just, you know, I try not to wear the same thing too many times. I'm not a big superstitious guy, uh, so I don't get into all that. I just try to make sure I'm representing our program and my family's name the right way. You know, my dad wore a tie on the sideline. Uh, you know, he's arguably the greatest high school coach in Mississippi history, and uh, he was my first hero, so I do it out of respect for him. and. Uh, you know, so it's it's been fun.
0: Yeah, definitely a great story there, Coach. And I'm sure you keep a lot of dry cleaners in Hattiesburg uh, in business. Coach, uh, thanks so much for your time. Best of luck this season. And thanks for coming on the Frarian and Smith podcast. Thanks
2: so much for having me. Thank you for all you guys do. You know, at Group of Five, we need all the publicity we can get. And thanks so much for selling our players. And I appreciate you guys, man, to the top.
0: and that one was a lot of fun talking uh, some football with Coach Hall. We've admired him from afar. We even got uh, a little bit of an inside scoop that there are new neckties on the way for this 2023 season.
1: Yeah, we haven't broken much news on this podcast, but it's definitely safe to say that that's the biggest news we've ever broken on this podcast. So shout out to the Southern Miss fans who now have the early drop on the wardrobe of Woolhall Hall heading into the 2023 season. I expect this to take off on social media and probably break news and stop everything on ESPN and SportsCenter when the world hears this information.
0: Yeah, if you weren't uh, about to go on vacation, Caden, I'd expect that uh, maybe you would be writing about it for on three Uh, Caden, we talked about going into that interview, just Southern Miss being really a quarterback away. And it, it feels like Coach Hall kind of confirmed that he felt like if they get good quarterback play this year, all the pieces are already there for Southern Miss to have a big time season.
1: Most definitely. When you talk about the weapons at the wide receiver positions and in the backfield, the strength they have in their offensive line, even in the tight end position, has some versatility. It's clear that they checked every single box outside of the quarterback position just through Will Hall's era and forward. So I think Will Hall knows it. The team knows it, which I think adds more pressure to that quarterback battle. I feel like if you're on the Southern Miss team in the locker room right now, all the eyes are kind of pointed at that. Quarterback position because everyone else knows what to expect out of each other. So you know he knows they're a quarterback away. We know they're a quarterback away. It's kind of like it's 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 known. It's a known thing. So I feel like these quarterbacks now competing know that as well. The pressure is high, and it's going to be about which one can deliver and prove that they can be the one to possibly break this team out of their quarterback slump that they have for the last couple seasons now.
0: Okay, and I feel like a lot of people are a bit concerned about the defense. You're losing some big time pieces from last year's season, but uh Will Hall does not strike me as one of those people that's concerned. I think. He feels pretty good about that defense heading into the fall.
1: Yeah, and a common theme when I've been talking about defenses heading into the season this year has been kind of their culture combined with their roster. I think when you have a bunch of transfer portals guys come in in any given program, it's kind of uneasy or unsettling. You don't really know what to expect. Same with kind of filling in some old roles with some depth that you had previously. But when you come from a school like a Southern Miss or a Troy like we've talked about or a Pastor or a Marshall you're far less concerned when you have that infrastructure there. You have players within the system who know, what, who know what they're doing already and can get new players up to speed. So I'm not worried about this defense either. It's one of my favorite units by far. When you look the, across the entire conference, and a lot of that has to do with what they had last year, a lot of that coming back, and then whatever wasn't there, probably being filled in with some people that have a lot of familiarity with the program.
0: Well, as Southern Miss fans know, this football team finished the 2022 season with a 7-6 and six record that included a 4-4 four and four mark. In Sunbelt Conference play, the Golden Eagles returned to their first bowl game since 2019 and secured their first bowl win since 2016. They also picked up big wins over Tulane, who went on to win the Cotton Bowl. They took down Louisiana as well. The coaches narrowly voted them as the fourth best team in the Sunbelt West in the preseason polling just behind Louisiana, Troy, and South Alabama. Caden, this is one of the more experienced rosters in the league. What are your expectations for this Southern Miss team this fall?
1: I expect this team week in and week out to be a tough opponent for anybody, especially at home. I think when you especially look at the defense of this team alone, they're going to be able to keep this team in every single game they play. And they're very nasty at the line of scrimmage. They always take care of their business, and they can keep the highest scoring offenses in the league and beyond low. It's going to be about can the offensive side of the ball score enough points to keep up with that pace and hopefully push through some of those fourth quarter last six minutes of the game struggles they had. So I think when you look at this season, this team, a lot of games you can kind of pencil in as wins just because this team has come far enough to where they're going to beat every team they're supposed to. The question is, can they elevate the quarterback position, the offense in the fourth quarter, just those small little details to pull off those bigger wins, those bigger upset wins that we haven't seen them pull off in the past. So I think there's kind of a baseline foundation of maybe five Six wins kind of the bull expectation. It's going to be a matter of can they push through that ceiling, have a couple players in a couple moments step up big for this team and maybe elevate them to that conference championship conversation.
0: Yeah, to your point, Caden, last season seven wins, but you had uh one possession losses to Liberty, Coastal Carolina, and South Alabama. All three of those uh were bull teams a season ago. Caden, for the last several years, the quarterback position has been suboptimal to say the least for Southern Miss teams. Last year alone, you had four guys, including Zach Wilkie, Trey Lowe, Ty Key. Southern Miss fans are saying shut up at this point. Jake Lang. All throw passes who could, and, and then also who could forget about the Superback, Frank Gore as well. They've been under a 60% completion rate from that quarterback position the last two seasons. And, Caden, it's no secret that with strong quarterback play, Southern Miss would probably be a true contender out West. They brought in Holman Edwards from Houston. You've got Billy Wiles for Clemson. It sounds like it's a two-horse race at this point for this job. Caden, is this the year that Southern Miss finally solidifies that quarterback position and finds their signal caller?
1: I hope it is, Noah, but just with my eyes are telling me with the research I've done on this one, I I can't be too optimistic. It sounds like, like you mentioned, Zach Wilkie and Jake Lang Lang are out of the picture regarding this quarterback competition, which is not a bad thing based on what we saw out of them last season. But the fact that Holman Edwards and Billy Wiles are the ones duking out this starting spot does have me, if we're being honest, a little bit concerned. Look, Southern Miss fans are probably going to think I'm coming at them right now, but let's just have honesty hour right now. Let's just keep it honest. The body of work of both of these quarterbacks just does not impress me. Billy Wiles is a player that walked on to Clemson. He had some Ivy League offers coming out of high school. He had Tulane offer coming off of a two-win season, Old Dominion. He chose to walk on to Clemson. He goes two for four in one series against UConn in garbage time with a touchdown, and he was put on scholarship. So him being put on scholarship at least tells me the locker room vibes and all of the off-the-field stuff is taken care of. But then you look at Hol- Holman Edwards, went to East Central Community College, completed a little over half his passes there, had 12 touchdowns and 13 interceptions in his two season. He walks on at Houston. And in those two seasons, he has one game appearance with one rush yard for negative two yards. So I'm not trying to roast either of these players, but when you just look across the conference in general, if you look at coach Kenny at Texas state, bringing in two sec quarterbacks, Jordan McLeod has experience. David Br- Davis, Brin, USM is just not balling or operating in that same league or that same level. When you talk about acquiring quarterbacks through the portal, I believe coach Hall, when he says this is the most talent and depth he's had, but that's not saying much based on the past. I don't doubt that this team could be the best they have been in, re- as in recent history as far as throwing and catching the ball. I think it could be improved. I just wouldn't expect it to be a giant improvement. Do you expect either of these players to stand toe-to-toe with Jordan Travis, Michael Pratt, Will Rogers, Carter Bradley, Gunner Watson, and insert whichever Texas State quarterback is going to be playing? Do you expect them to t- stand toe-to-toe and win that shootout? We'll have to see... But I hope one of these guys proves me wrong. I hope I can bend the knee at the end of the season. One of them is great. I can give him the Stinson Bennett treatment. And he'll get all his flowers. But with the preseason, what my eyes are telling me, I just can't be as optimistic about the quarterback position as maybe others would be in Southern Miss.
0: Yeah, Caden, I think that's a fair assessment uh, when you look at this quarterback position. Again, a couple of guys who just do not have much experience. But, you know, as we have seen, and even I think back to a good friend of yours, Zach Thomas didn't have a ton of experience. He strapped it up, went out there, and, and played extremely well. So, Once the pads go on, once the helmet goes on and the lights turn on on game day, you never know what happens. So it will be interesting to see uh, as we head into the fall. Kane, the rest of this offense, though, is pretty set, uh, particularly at the skill positions. Everyone's aware of the exploits of Frank Gore Jr., who ran for nearly 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns last year. They've got guys like Kenyon Clay and Memphis transfer Drake Clark in the backfield as well. Plus, you've got Ty Mims, Jacarius Kasten, Cole Cavallo as the primary pass catchers. Caden, this offense took a big leap forward last year, scoring 25.3 points per game. If they can get this quarterback situation solidified, Caden, Southern Miss definitely has the weapons to compete with anyone in this conference.
1: Yeah, and the good news is, despite everything I just said, the mentions, the weapons you just mentioned can do a great job of elevating whoever is at quarterback. So I do have confidence that this offense can operate at the best level it ever has. I just don't know if it's going to be an all-star level, but they do have some all-stars at these skill positions. You talk about Frank Gore being the best player on this team, probably the most impactful player outside of Grayson McCall. I mean, who could you say is more impactful to their own team's success, maybe specifically on offense as well. We're all rooting for him to keep that bowl momentum going and really get his bag this year. We're praying that this team can win some games so he can get that national attention he deserves. But you talked about the backups, Janari Dean had a great season last year where they lose him. But Kenyon Clay apparently has been having a great and impressive spring ball as well as the fall. He could be in the mix along with Drake Clark, the Memphis transfer who missed last season with the Injury, but has plenty of proven production. Love what he's shown at Memphis out of the backfield and that pedigree. But shout out to Memphis just in general for feeding the Sun Belt a bunch of skill players that we're very high on on this podcast heading into the season. You talk about him, you talk about Asa Martin, you talk about Javon Ivory. So maybe keep an eye out on Memphis. Maybe that's the pipeline for the Sun Belt moving forward. But they didn't have to have any additions on the wide receiver position for sure. They covered all of that. You don't love losing Jason Brownlee by any means, but now it's time for Jacarius Casting to step up and be that guy in time, Mims, and all the speed in the world to just follow suit. I think that duo can be extremely electric for this offense, but the key is obviously going to be the quarterback play. Six of the top seven pass catchers are back. Our friend Cole Cavallo, who we talked about, as you mentioned, is going to be impactful in the run and the pass game. I think this whole unit across the board could be better even than last year. You lose Brownlee, but I think top to bottom as far as production goes and spreading the wealth, I think it could be great, but Obviously, again, the quarterback's going to be the biggest factor in here. But worst case scenario, as you mentioned, Gordon Mims already have a connection. We saw two touchdown passes from him last season from Frank Gore in the Superback set. So worst case scenario, they can rely on that. But there's plenty of weapons and plenty of fun to be had, I think, in this offense, barring the quarterback position.
0: Caden, I feel like when you look at this offense, I mean, again, I mentioned 25.3 points per game last season. That feels like the floor right now. And if that quarterback plays well, it only is up from there. Kane, the trenches might be the best part of this Southern Miss football team. On that O-line, you're bringing back four starters who have a combined 87 career starts. They helped this team run for 142 yards per game a season ago. On defense, you've got arguably the best defensive line in the Sun Belt. That discussion certainly became more interesting with TJ Jackson suspended indefinitely uh, for the Troy Trojans. Dominic Kuiwan is gone but you've got a number of names that can make plenty of noise in those trenches returning. You've still got Kristen Booth, you've got Jalen Williams, you've got Quentin Bivens, along with a lot of depth behind them. Caden, this unit had 44 sacks and held opponents to just 138 yards per game on the ground a season ago. I feel like the winning formula for this Southern Miss team this season, Caden, really starts in the trenches on both offense and defense.
1: Yeah, I'm most definitely not worried about this team in the trenches on either side of the ball. You talk about the offensive line returning four starters who now have more seasoning to their game after playing in a more increased role last season. I expect this to be even more improved group. Consistency is going to be the key just because they had some straight-up stagnant games last year where Frank Gore couldn't get and any rushing lanes and their quarterbacks are under quite a bit of pressure, 15 sacks each for Wilkie and low last year. So if they can improve in those little spots, I think this could be the strength of this team. And one of the better offensive lines in the entire conference And then the D line. That's just unquestioned. This is one of the best, if not the best defensive line in the entire conference. You talk about Dominic up there leading the conference in sacks. He's a big loss, but that was a third down edge rushing threat who just outside of him, they return every single starter and one of the nastiest defensive fronts that this league has to offer. A small part of me regrets not including Avery Habas. He's kind of a linebacker, defensive lineman hybrid, but just his limited snaps last year, he was so good. He was wreaking havoc in the backfield. I expect a big thing, a big season out of him at that jack position again. They're returning a ton of TFL production, a ton of sack production. Quivin Bevins is back and he's Debatably, honestly, the most valuable player on that defensive front for just the work he does at that thankless nose tackle position. You mentioned Christian Booth is back, Jalen Williams is back. I'm very excited about this team up front on defense and on offense. And just talking about this defense in general, I really have entire conf- as we keep talking about more positions. I have confidence in this entire unit and high hopes for this unit. I think they need more help from their offense. They led the conference in sacks and interceptions last year. It was a great unit, and I think that this team is in that conversation for a championship this season it's going to be because either they got more better play out of the quarterback position in the offense entirely and this defense stayed the same or this defense goes on some crazy run like we saw from Troy last year where they're carrying their team literally and their offense comes up clutch at the end of the season so I think this defense is so good in general not just the D line but the more positions we'll talk about here coming up soon to potentially carry this team into some of their offensive woes and carry them into the conference championship conversation.
0: Yeah, certainly no denying that the Nasty Bunch had an excellent season last year for the Golden Eagles. Looking at that linebacker core, though, this is perhaps one of the hardest-hit groups entering the season. You'll be without Santrell Lantham. You'll be without Daylon Gill, your number two and three tacklers. You've also lost Tylan Knight, who made 11 starts, and Cameron Harrell as well. Kane, you're getting both Hayes Maples and Swayze Bozeman back from injuries that kept them out for much of last season. TQ Newsome and Jaleel Clemens are both expected to take on big roles as well. Kane, you're losing three starters, but getting two back in Bozeman and Maples, and you still have Avery Hobbes, who you mentioned. He is dealing with a bit of an injury right now, but it doesn't feel like the drop-off that some people expected is probably going to materialize this season.
1: Yeah, and it's a perfect example of what I was talking about as far as this defensive culture being built and it just really being a plug-and-play situation. You talk about it with Maples. Leave it. Getting missing the entire season. Talk about with Bozeman getting hurt early in the season. Latham and Dalen Gill stepped up huge for this team last year, and you would have thought they were starters from day one just from watching the film and cutting it on. They were fantastic. They were big losses for this team, but I have a ton of confidence in those remaining pieces, like you mentioned. Hayes returns from that injury. I have high hopes for him. We've talked about his pedigree at length. The question's going to be, can he get back? Coming off of the injury after missing an entire season in this new and improved conference when the stakes have been raised, can he get back? that style of play. And I think the same thing kind of applies for Swayze Bozeman in a similar way. He was injured after four games last season. He has a ton of experience, but the health I think is going to be the key for him. The elephant in the room is that he made starts in the last three seasons, but also missed time in those last three seasons with injury. So can he stay healthy? You want it to happen, but I am confident in the depth of this unit overall, if someone does go down, if someone does have to miss some time, they have some dudes in this room. You mentioned Jaleel Clemens, who's expected to play a bigger role as an upperclassman. Now, I love this unit. I think it's arguably the strongest unit in the conference. I know we have a ton of love for JMU, but if we're talking about depth, I think there's a ton of dudes in this room that can produce, and I have all the confidence in the world that they'll be able to do that, especially with that defensive line in front of them.
0: Caden, they're going to need that because this Golden Eagle secondary will have to be rebuilt. Uh, Natrone Brooks, Malik Shorts, both declared for the NFL draft. Eric Scott did as well. He got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. You've still got Jay Stanley back, who was the team's number four tackler last season. Also had five interceptions at that safety position. Southern Miss, though, Caden brought in multiple power five transfers. You bring in Dylan Lawrence from Mississippi State, Daniels, and Sabatini from Old Miss to try to plug some of these holes. This unit helped collect 17 interceptions last season. Caden, are you buying or selling that this secondary unit uh, heading into 2023?
1: Yeah, outside of quarterback, this is definitely my biggest area of concern, but I still come into it with confidence. You lose both of those starting corners, like you mentioned. Eric Scott, shout out to him for getting drafted. You lose your leading tackler and Malik Shorts, which, by the way, the Southern Miss fans who didn't like some of our offseason rankings, if they return all these defensive players that they lost, the, this, the, the top 10 list would have been littered with dudes. I haven't thought about Malik Shorts in forever, but what an absolute dog that balled out for this team last season. He's a big loss, but you bring back, I think, the best safety in the conference in Jay Stanley. You talk about those transfers, transfers that come in. They don't boast a ton of production. They boast great names of the programs they were, at, they were at, but a lot of special teams play, so I don't have the highest expectations for those transfers coming in, but I do expect players like Michael Canaway and Brendan Tolls, who have played in this defense before with a lot of, Players that are on the field who've been through the ringer before, who know the defense as well as they do, who are now upperclassmen, I would more so expect those players to step up. And then hopefully players like Jay Stanley and those guys who know the system, who know the ways, who know the culture of the defense can maybe bring along some of those transfers as well. So I think between those two factors, I'm not as worried about this unit as I probably should be, but I just have so much confidence in what they've been able to do in the past and them being able to uphold that, similar to how they did last season when they lost some linebackers and they were able to plug some guys in. I think they'll be able to do the same thing on this side of the ball, specifically in the secondary as well.
0: Yeah, the defense, no denying, will look slightly different in 2023, but the Nasty Bunch will probably have another big season uh, for the Golden Eagles Caden, quickly looking at special teams. This was one of the best units in not only the Sun Belt, but in the country last year. They were a top 20 special teams unit after being ranked 106th the season before, according to Phil Steele. They're bringing back Ty Mims, who's their primary kick returner, but you have to replace Brooks Bourgeois and Mason Hunt, who were both all-conference players. Andrew Stein, Bryce Lofton are expected to man those positions. Caden, can this special teams unit for Southern Miss still play at an elite level this season?
1: I think they can. They're going to have to bring the best out of each other in those kicking position battles that are going on in fall camp. So we'll see how those play out. I think the field goal kicker position could be huge for this team this season. When you talk about them being an elevated group at a lot of spots, hopefully they can punch the ball in in the end zone a little bit better when they are in the red zone, but they might have to rely kind of like Troy did last season on some strong play in the kicking game. Field position is going to be huge per usual as always, but kind of like I mentioned before with some of the transfers who have a lot more special teams experience than actual defensive experience. They have a ton of guys who I think can fly around who are accustomed to kind of banging on special teams. the the highest level, the SEC level, some of these guys. So I think as long as they have that identity and that culture and take pride in it the same way they take pride in their defense, I actually have pretty high hopes for their coverage teams, whether that's punt or kickoff when it comes to the kind of personnel they have at Southern Miss.
0: Okay, and all we've got left to talk about on this episode is Southern Miss's schedule, the over-under for this team currently sitting at five wins ahead of the season. ESPN recently ranked this non-conference schedule, which includes FSU and Mississippi State along with a home matchup against Tulane is one of the toughest non-conference schedules in all of college football Caden, outside of those FSU and Tulane games in week two and three, they have a chance to build some momentum in late September, early October with three straight games against a state, Texas state and old dominion who went a combined five and 19 and sunbelt play a season ago. Then you've got back-to-back road games against South Alabama and app state in late October. That's going to be challenging. After playing ULM, you'll face Louisiana and Mississippi State on the road before welcoming Troy uh, to the Rock to end the season. Caden, I see why this Southern Miss team has an over-under of five wins. This schedule is brutal, but I do think they can hit the over. I think they can make a bowl game and perhaps pull off an upset as well. What are your overall thoughts on this schedule, the way it's currently constructed?
1: My overall thoughts was if I was at Southern Miss, I would not be a fan of my schedule. Just aside from the non-conference opponents, just the road games in general, having to go to Florida State, having to go to Mississippi State, and then adding that with the conference opponents on the road, having to go to ULL, have to go to App State, have to go to South Alabama. Those are just tough draws for this team. It's hard to be optimistic with the question marks at the quarterback position combined with what they have going on with their non-conference schedule. I think The good news is they're going to take their lumps early. They're going to face a Florida State team who's one of the best in the country, a Tulane team who's kind of the the cream of the crop as far as group of five competition goes. And then they roll right into their schedule playing Arkansas State and Texas State teams they've proven they can beat. So they'll face steady competition, sturdy competition to start off the season, which I think will train them and kind of get them right. Whoever's at quarterback is going to have the toughest hand they've ever had dealt in those first two weeks, the second two weeks, rather, of the season. And hopefully they can take their lumps, learn from that, and translate it. It's all going to be about how this team can respond this year. I don't think anyone has super high expectations for them. Just looking at the first three weeks of the season, the question is going to be, can they use whatever momentum they generate or create new momentum after those games and bring that into their conference schedule? So I'm excited about this team, more so in conference play than outside of conference play. But I do think because of their tough non-conference schedule, it's going to be tough for this team to make a bowl game.
0: It will be interesting, certainly, Caden. You know as well as I do, though, that a tough non-conference schedule, it prepares you for conference play. And don't be surprised, again, if Southern Miss uh, pulls off an upset or two this season. Well, that's going to do it for our Southern Miss preview on the Frary & Smith podcast. A special thank you goes out to Southern Miss head coach Will Hall for joining us, as well as assistant AD Jack Duggan for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, Caden... We're excited to tell you about our next episode. The Frarian and Smith podcast is officially turning 100. Caden and I are excited to celebrate this significant milestone, and we're going to do it with a one-of-a-kind bonus episode. It's coming out tomorrow featuring ESPN personality Marty Smith. Mark your calendars. Set a reminder because you're not going to want to miss our incredible conversation with one of college football's most recognizable names. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, here's all we ask. Share this podcast with at least one of your friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow this show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We're going to talk to you again soon.